0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are previewing the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, the first leg. Of the 2023 FedEx Cup playoffs, which is taking place this week at TPC Southwind at Memphis, Tennessee. We are going to break down the course, and then we are going to give the key stats that matter at this course, as well as some comp courses. Uh, and then we are going to try to find the golfers who are going to win us some money in DFS betting and one and done this week. It is a full comprehensive preview. You will not find a more comprehensive preview in one podcast than this one. Now, before we get started with that, though, do have a few things to talk about. So first, we got to attend the window Championship last week. Um, You know, I mentioned on the podcast on Monday that it's about 20 minutes from my front door and that I've driven through the course numerous times and been to the event before. And I didn't know at the time that I was going to end up going. Uh, My friend Zach, who you guys have heard on this podcast, Talk US Open with me, um, invited me. He had tickets. And so, you know, we had general passes. We walked the course, you know, got to walk with um, Hideki's group for a little bit. Got to walk with Webb Simpson and Siwoo Kim's group for a little bit. Siwoo Kim actually acknowledged me, which was pretty cool. Um, and then got to follow JT and uh, Shane Lowry's group in the afternoon on Friday, which was uh, an absolute blast. If you have a chance to go to a PGA Tour event, like I highly recommend doing it. it. It's just it's a really fun experience the way that they do things now. And I could go on for a whole episode on, on that experience, but I'm not going to because <laughs> this one is for the FedEx St. Jude. Um, but I did want to mention that if you were following me on Twitter, I was tweeting a lot about being there. Um, Also, this being the first week of the FedEx Cup playoffs, this is the last week to participate in underdog's pup cup which is their best ball draft tournament for the FedEx Cup playoffs um i have recorded a video talking about draft strategy as well as doing a live draft for the pup cup link is going to be in the description i highly recommend checking that out if you plan on playing in underdog's pup cup um it should be a pretty fun contest uh, i'm looking forward to it and definitely going to do another draft or two this week and lastly we got one right on the live tour we were all over Bryson DeChambeau last week uh, and he Man, he had a round on Sunday. I, I don't care if it's at you know any golf course against any competition. A 58 is darn impressive, uh, and so way to have a round, Bryson. Good for you for getting that first victory on live. We will be previewing Live Bedminster later this week. So if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll be notified when new episodes drop, and you will get the drop on that episode. And hopefully, we can identify ourselves another winner on the Live Tour. All right, so that does it for the intro. We're going to go ahead and start our preview of the FedEx St. Jude by breaking down DBC Southwind. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right. So let's go ahead and start by talking about the course. So The FedEx St. Jude is played at TBC Southwind, which is in Memphis, Tennessee. It plays as a par 70 and a little over 7,200 yards. So it is not a long golf course by any stretch of the imagination, but it is one that is generally a fairly tough test for players on the PGA Tour. This is not an easy golf course. This is not a birdie fest. Now, there's a little bit of weird event history here. Because this is the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, it... Tends to vary in some places where you try to look up course history. It might show course history at the Northern Trust, which formerly was the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs. So if you're looking at any course history that says that Tony Finau won this event in 2021, that is from the Northern Trust, and you can disregard that. This event took over the first uh, leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs last year. So the first time that the FedEx St. Jude was at this spot on the schedule was in the 2022 season, and that event was won by Wills Alatoris. Now, I do think it is worth noting that you know this course has been in play on the PGA Tour since about 1990, so there is good actionable course history here. Just be careful when looking it up, like I just advised. Now, water does come into play on 11 holes here. Uh, It does play as you know kind of a run of the mill TPC layout where you know you've got firm and fast fairways firm and fast greens everything is very well manicured everything's in pristine condition and you've got a lot of water hazards now there's a few holes here at this course where driver is not really necessary there's a lot of holes where there's kind of a hazard or, you know, like a dog leg or, or just something that doesn't allow you to drive the ball but so far. And almost all the these holes will feature approaches that are about 125 to 150 yards. And really all the approaches here at this course are going to be in the 125 to uh, 200 yard range. Um, so there's not a whole lot of super duper long approaches here at this course, but there's also not a whole lot of partial shots and flip wedges either. Now in terms of agronomy, the TBC South one does have zoysia grass fairways, which are some of the narrowest on tour. It is going to be super important to keep it in the fairway this week and keep it out of the trees and keep it out of the rough. The rough is generally pretty penal. Now the greens are some of the smallest on tour. In fact, they're the third smallest greens on tour on average, and they are champion Bermuda grass. They're going to play very firm and very fast. What this generally allows when you have small greens that are also fast greens, it allows players who are good putters To gain more strokes putting because pretty much every hole they're going to have a putt that for them is a makeable putt and they're going to end up making some. So the formula for winning here has been to have just an elite ball striking week and try to combine that with a really good putting week. Generally the guys who have scored well here and played well here in any given year have been guys that have had really good ball striking weeks and usually paired it with really good putter weeks in fact if you were just to look at the winners of this event first when it was formerly the saint jude classic uh you know you've got daniel berger you've got dustin johnson and then after that, you've got Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, and Abraham Answer, and last year, Will Taurus. It's just a lot of guys who are really good at ball striking and then just happen to have that one week where the putter gets hot. Like we talked about Will Zalatouris a lot last season at the start of this year. He's an elite level iron player. And if the putter is working, that is when he's going to be able to win golf tournaments. Well, guess what? That was the formula that he followed last season. Now, again, when you look at the winners, it's guys who follow that formula. And so when you kind of look at course history here, you know, I'm looking at last year's event here in the database on rickrungood.com, you know, you look at how guys gained strokes on their path to their victory. A lot of the guys that were near the top of the leaderboard gained strokes on approach. In fact, a lot of them gained over one stroke on approach per round. And most of them, like a majority of the strokes that they gained for the event were strokes gained on approach approach. And again, you see the kind of the same pattern here. Most of them combine that with a good putting week. The you know kind of the outliers are Adam Scott who had a negative week on approach but was the best putter in the field. Or you had Trey Moanax who had one of the best weeks on approach but lost slightly in the putting category. So that's gonna be kind of the formula this week. If you want to see course history here in whole, instead of just last year's event, the best players at TBC Southwind that are on, that are in this field, have been Sep Straka, even though his only appearance was a playoff loss last season. And then you've got Harris English, Lee Hodges, Tom Kim, Sahid Thigawa, Hodges, Kim, and Thigawa have also only played this event one time. And after that, you've got Denny McCarthy, Rory McIlroy, Sam Burns, Hideki Matsuyama, Colin Morikawa, and John Rahm. Again, the fact that Uh, You've got guys that have only played once here near the top of this board shows that course history here is not Super sticky if you can turn in one good performance You can end up near the top of this board Uh, and so definitely I would rather go with guys who have a track record of You know a statistical profile that I care about as opposed to any kind of course history that I care about now in terms of comp courses I have picked three comp courses for TPC Southwind. And, and they all kind of have a common trend. They all feature Bermuda Greens. They all you know, generally play pretty firm and fast. And they all have water hazards running about. It, it's no coincidence that all three of these courses happen to be in the state of Florida. Brook Resort, home of the Valspar Championship, PGA National, home of the Honda Classic, and TPC Sawgrass, home of the Players' Championship. Those are my three comp courses this week. I think that TPC Twin Cities is a little bit of a comp as well. But that one generally, plays a little longer, a little more water, and it's bent grass green, so I don't think the comparison there is a pure one-to-one. Now, at those three comp courses, the best players in this field have been Eric Cole, Tommy Fleetwood, Scotty Scheffler, Hideki Matsuyama, and Victor Hovland in your top five, with Sung J M, Sam Burns, Davis Riley, Seb Straka, and Justin Rose rounding out the top ten. Now, thinking about all the key stats that we have this week, I went ahead and built out a model using the custom model tool on rickrungood.com. I used strokes Gain TD Green. I used strokes Gain putting Bermuda. I used all of the approach buckets. I used course history here at TPC Southwind. I used good drive percentage, and then I used a lot of approach stats after that. And like I said, approach this week is going to be kind of the most important thing. And I do think that being able to putt on Bermuda is going to be important as well. You're not going to win this tournament if you don't have a positive putting week. So at the end of the day, my model popped out this top 10. John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, no surprise there. Russell Henley, Tom Kim, Colin Morikawa, Lucas Glover, Hideki Matsuyama, Andrew Putnam, Patrick Cantlay, and then Rory McIlroy sitting at 10, which is kind of a little bit down further than I would have hoped considering his price tag and considering his history in the FedEx Cup playoffs. All right, so that is enough for breaking down the course. Let's go ahead and see if we can zero in on some guys that might give us some winning upside this week to win this golf tournament. All right, so looking at the board here, looking at the DraftKings pricing this week, I was kind of surprised that they built out the pricing this way this week. When I first opened this up and saw that Scotty Scheffler was at $12,100, I really thought that they were going to go back to their, you know, kind of the format they had for the Open Championship, where the bare minimum was $5,500 as opposed to $6,000, but that was not the case this week. So this week, we have got a no cut event with only 70 players and. It's going to be pretty much a week where if you're playing DFS, you're going to want to have the winner in your lineup if you're going to want to win any money this week because pretty much everybody's getting a 6-for-6 lineup, so you're going to have to find some way to make your 6-for-6 lineup better than everybody else's. And also keep in mind that with it being a limited field, everybody is playing almost 10% of the field. So you're going to have to find a way to you know be a little bit different in terms of finding guys with less ownership as well if you're playing on DFS. If you're betting, it's all about finding the winner so i think that it's very likely that the winner of this tournament ends up coming from the top of the board when you look at the fedex cup playoffs in in recent history at the fedex cup playoff events the winners have been the big dogs. Last year, you had Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, Will Zalatoris win the three playoff events. The year before, the 2021 Tour Championship, you had Cantlay, Cantlay, and then Tony Finau winning the Northern Trust. The year before that, it was DJ Rom, DJ winning the three playoff events. So you know the FedEx Cup playoff events are where the best golfers in the world shine, and the courses are set up so that way the best golfers in the world can shine. Now on DraftKings. If we were trying to determine a way for us to kind of narrow down which guy we want at the top, let's go ahead and take a look at the stats for the big three. So, Scotty Scheffler is the top price guy on the board. It is not surprising. Scotty Scheffler is the best tee-to-green player in the world. Note my use of the words tee-to-green because once he gets on the green, he's... um. He's not great. He, he's actually one of the worst putters in the field statistically. But the good news is this. He actually is better at putting on Bermuda grass than any other surface, which isn't saying a whole lot because his other surfaces have been pretty crappy. But what it means that is if he can keep up his ball striking weeks with you know kind of just a not terrible putting week, he can give a really good finish here at this event. The Open Championship, where he lost almost five strokes putting, was his worst finish in almost a calendar year. And so I definitely think that he's on track to bounce back here at this event. Last year, though, he did miss the cut here at TBC Southwind. uh, And that was kind of A strange miscut. He kind of lost all of his strokes on the green. Um, And so I kind of think that he will be able to bounce back from that. I have no problem paying up for Sheffler this week. Now, I would probably prefer to play Rory McIlroy, though. If you look at Roy McElroy's stats, his ball striking numbers have been just as good, if not better, than Scotty Scheffler in the last two months, and he has actually gained strokes putting in each of his last eight events, which the same cannot be said for Scotty Scheffler. And we also know that Rory always shows up in the FedEx Cup playoffs. This is his time to shine, and so I definitely think that this could be another good spot to play Rory at. Like Scheffler, Rory at McElroy also missed the cut here last year, but he also has some really good finishes here at TBC Southwind. He was T12 in 2021, T4 in 2019, and T7 all the way back in 2012, and he has shown the ability to gain strokes in every category here at this course. He just hasn't really put it all together for one weekend here at this course, and and so I definitely think that there's a chance that this weekend could be that weekend for Rory McIlroy. Next up, the last of the big three, is John Rahm, who is a guy who... I'll be honest, was a, a kind of a fade for me at the Open Championship. I did not play a lot of him in DraftKings because I just was not a believer of his form coming in. He was not as good of a ball striker as Rory or Scotty, and he was priced up there with Rory or Scotty. And, and I just really wasn't going to pay for him for that. And plus, I still think he's in a little bit of a post Masters low. Well, I kind of think that roms back out of that lull with that t2 finish at the open championship where he gained strokes in every single category and he also has a pretty good history here at tbc Southwood. he's got a seventh a 52nd and a fifth to his name um, where he has been elite pretty much in every way here at this course last year he gained seven strokes in the ball striking categories and was just barely a negative with the putter and you got to feel like if he gained strokes with the putter he was he Probably would have ended up winning that event. So I definitely think that this is a good spot for John Rom. When you think about courses that set up well for John Rom, it's courses where you have a lot of long irons in your hand or a lot of long approaches in your hand. And while that's not going to be the case on every hole here, there definitely are a few holes where he can separate himself with his long iron play and take advantage of that to kind of separate himself from the pack. Now, if you're looking to you know play a guy from near the top that's not one of the big three, may I recommend Victor Hovland? So Victor Hovland has been absolutely elite in the ball striking categories since pretty much the start of this calendar year. He, He hasn't had a single tournament where he's lost strokes ball striking since January 1st. In fact, he hasn't finished worse than 59th in a tournament since January 1st. And in that event, he lost seven strokes putty. Now, his most recent showing was at Royal Liverpool, where he gained nine strokes ball striking. Like Victor Hovland to does, he lost multiple strokes around the green, and that was kind of what separated him from being in the top group on Sunday. So what is his history like here at TPC Southwind? Well, he's made the cut in all three appearances, and he hasn't, chipped the ball well. He generally doesn't, but he's been pretty good off the tee and pretty good on approach. So if you're going to end up fading the top three and you want to get a little leverage by doing so, I recommend going down to Victor Hovland at 10,200 on DraftKings. Now thinking about what are the keys to success this week, we know that it's going to be approach and putting, right? Approach and putting. So if you look just here at the total strokes gain numbers, who are some guys whose approach plus putting, you know, puts them in pretty good territory? Well, in the nine k range on DraftKings, Tyrell Hatton and Ricky Fowler are both great guys on approach and great guys with the putter. And, and so, I definitely think if you're playing the type of course that we've got this week, those will be two guys that you should be interested in. I also think that Jordan Spieth is going to be kind of like the ownership leverage play of, um, you know, this weekend with you know, kind of the fact that. N- He burned a lot of people at the Scottish Open. He was not very high-owned at the Open Championship, and he came in 23rd. And then his course history here at this event has been hit or miss. He's got two 12th-place finishes as well as a missed cut. So I think he's going to be the guy that gets overlooked this week. If you're an ownership guy, a pivot play guy, Jordan Speed should be a guy you should get into your lineups this week. Now, my two favorites in the 9K range personally are going to be Tommy Fleetwood and Colin Morikawa. Tony Fleetwood, like we talked about with Victor Hovland, has just been really, really good in the ball striking categories. And he's really only been... In the ball striking categories, twice, and those were his two missed cuts. Other than that, he's been pretty elite in them. Now he's been really elite lately, with six strokes in the ball striking at Royal Liverpool and twelve strokes in the ball striking at Los Angeles Country Club. And Tony Finau, or I'm sorry, not Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood has shown us the ability to have spike weeks with the putter, like he did when he gained nine strokes putting at the RBC Canadian Open. And his history at this course is pretty good. He's got a fourth, a thirty-fifth, and a forty-sixth. Tommy Fleetwood when when he does finally win on the PGA Tour it's not going to be at a course that is bomb and gouge it's going to be at a course where you can play positional golf where you can be really good on approach and where you know up and down you know getting around the green and and having good chips is going to be pretty important as well and i think this course lines up pretty good with his skill set i really do like Tommy Fleetwood this week Now, my other favorite play in the 9K range is Colin Morikawa. So when you think about what we talked about, the formula was approach and putting, approach and putting. Well, you've got a guy who has very low floors and high ceilings in both of those categories. So Colin Morikawa, in his last five events, has gained five strokes or more on approach in three of them. He's also lost strokes on approach in the other two. So, you know, you've got, you know, kind of peaks and valleys with that approach from Morikawa. His putter is also the same. In his last five, he's gained over two and a half strokes in two of them. He also lost over one and a half strokes in one of them. So why not go with a guy like Morikawa who can get high in the two categories that matter the most? His history here is also pretty good. He's never finished worse than 26th, and he has shown the ability to gain strokes in every category and Last year, he did gain strokes in every category and finished in fifth place in this tournament. So Kyle Morikawa, I really do think it sets up well for him. We know that Morikawa is not one of the longest guys off the tee in the field, and this is a course that's not going to punish you for being short with the driver in your hand. All right, now next up is the 8K range. So Jason Day and Max Homa are two other guys that I think are going to be pretty lowly owned. Um, You know, if you're an ownership guy, go for it. I'm probably not going to that they did not rate out very well in my model um and so i'm kind of just going to pass on them for this week tony finau i'm willing to buy back in on the bounce back He has a pretty mixed history here, but he has shown a high ceiling with a fifth place finish here last year. And he came in seventh at the 3M Open. I was really concerned about his game heading into that event, but, you know, the good showing there does give me a little faith that he can bounce back and play well in this one. Matt Fitzpatrick is a guy who has probably one of the best course histories in this event. He's had three top six finishes in his last four appearances. And he's another guy like Hatton and Fowler that I mentioned earlier whose approach plus putting sets up pretty good. Now, I do want to go ahead and talk about a few of my favorite guys in the 8k range, the first of which is Wyndham Clark. So Wyndham Clark had his worst finish in a while at the Open Championship where he came in 33rd and if you look at where he lost strokes at, it was with the putter and then it was a little bit on approach. That approach number is largely because he did hit one shot OB, where I think it like significantly tossed at him and ended up with a big number. So I'm kind of willing to forgive that. I'm also kind of willing to forgive the poor putting, you know, uh, over there across the pond on in a completely different kind of grass. Now his one start here was a 28th place finish last year. And, you know, that's not on paper, like, super encouraging. But when you look at the stats, I actually think it is. He gained five strokes putting here last year and was honestly – pretty terrible on approach. He lost over three strokes on approach. That is not what Wyndham Clark does in 2023. Wyndham Clark's been a great approach player. So if he can keep up his approach play that he's had this season with the putting that he showed here last year and is able to do that on the same weekend, this could end up being another win for Wyndham Clark. Next up is Cameron Young, who is another one of my favorite plays in the 8K range this week. So Cameron Young is a guy who is one of the longest hitters on the PGA Tour. That's kind of his thing. Is that something that's going to be a massive advantage this week? No, but he is also... Fairly accurate with the driver. He's just really good with a driver in his hand. And him being one of the longer players on the PGA Tour means that he's going to be hitting shorter clubs into these small greens, which is a big advantage to have when the greens play firm and fast. He did miss the cut at the 3M Open in his last appearance, but I'm just really not super worried about that. I, I just really hope he's able to get back to the ball striking numbers that he exhibited earlier in the month of June. And I think this could be a pretty good place to do that. Last year, when he played this event, I do believe, yes, it was last year when he played this event. He came in 31st place and he lost five strokes putting, but he gained nine strokes in the ball striking category. So maybe second time around at this event, he's able to play these greens just a little bit better. And if he keeps that same ball striking, he's surely to have a good finish here at TBC Southwind. Last play in the AK range that I do like is going to be Sam Burns. So Sam Burns was a guy that I liked heading into the Wyndham Championship and I like even more heading into this week. He gained strokes in every category at the Wyndham last week except for off the tee, which is generally something that he's pretty good at. And so I kind of think that he's going to bounce back with the driver, but if he can keep up the same play with his approach and with his putting, I do think he's going to be in very good shape. We know that he's nicknamed Bermuda Burns because Bermuda grass is one of his best putting services. And so that also manifested itself here at this course back in 2021, where he was a loser in a playoff to Abraham answer. So I really like the fact that you're getting a guy on a good track with good form coming in. I know I'm not the only guy in the industry who's going to be mentioning Sam Burns this week. So if you play him in DFS formats, just know he's going to come with a lot of high ownership. He's probably going going to be one of the highest owned golfers on the slate. Now, another guy that I'm probably going to be fading this week that I just want to go out of my way to get this out there is Brian Harmon coming off of his open championship win. He has not teed it up since then. And I kind of think that that's a little bit of an emotional roller coaster to go on. And I also think that the way he won that open, which was just by making every single putt, is not really a sustainable way to keep winning golf tournaments. So I'm kind of willing to back off on Brian Harmon this week and hope that a lot of other people play him and he doesn't pay off that price tag at $8,300 on DraftKings. Now, the 7K range is very intriguing this week because if you want to pay up for one of the big dogs, you are going to have to back end it with some guys from this 7K range. So, like the formula that we talked about earlier, is there anybody who just shows up with the whole approach plus putting formula? Well, in this range, your nominee for that would be uh, Justin Rose and Emiliano Grillo, but they are actually not my two favorite plays in this range. I do have a few favorites in this range first of which is going to be Russell Henley. So if I'm being totally honest, I think Russell Henley kind of got unlucky at the Wyndham last week. You know, he he had just a few very unlucky rolls of the ball into kind of unfortunate landing zones on the back nine on Sunday and it's very possible that if he just plays I don't know. If you know, if his shots land in a slightly different spot, he might have been holding that trophy on Sunday night as opposed to Lucas Glover. But what I do like is the fact that he is continuing to be really good in the ball-striking categories when he's stateside. His worst round in the ball-striking was at Royal Liverpool. So I'm kind of willing to forgive that because he's a very American golfer, right? So I think if he's able to get back to that same ball striking and show the same you know level of putting that he did at the Wyndham, I think he's going to be in very good shape. His history here at this event is a bit of a mixed bag. He's got two top 30s and also three missed cuts. So I'm hoping that Russell Henley is going to keep his recent form going and roll it right into a good finish here at TPC Southwind. Another one of my favorite plays this week is Tom Kim. So if I mentioned, you know, if you remember me mentioning in the open, like, you know, approach plus putting, who's a guy who can get really, really hot in both of those categories? Well, that's Tom Kim. And if you look at what he's done recently, he's shown us tournaments where he has gotten really hot on approach and gotten really hot putting. You know, when he was T8 at the US Open, seven strokes on approach, three strokes putting. T6 at the Scottish Open. Four and a half strokes on approach, four strokes putting. At Royal Liverpool, T2, two and a half strokes on approach, seven and a half strokes putting. He has the ability to just go nuclear in these two categories that matter so much. He played this event last year and came in 13th place, gained five strokes on approach, lost one stroke putting. If he's just able to turn around that putting and you know turn it into maybe gaining two strokes instead of losing one, he could very well be winning his third event of the season, second event of the season. Yeah, second event of the season because he did win the Shriners back last October. So uh, I definitely think this is a really, really good fit for Tom Kim, and he is one of my absolute favorite plays this week. Now, the rest of the 7K range, I really do like Denny McCarthy. The missed cut at the Wyndham, like, I don't know, man. Like, he was still Denny McCarthy, right? Like, he was still elite with the putter in his hand at the Greens at the Wyndham Championship. It was just... He was terrible on approach and he was terrible on approach at the open championship, but he hasn't been terrible on approach. For pretty much any stretch in this year 2023. So I'm hoping that he can kind of just snap out of that stretch and continue to be the great putting Denny McCarthy that we know he is. At this course, he's had a pretty good run. He has two top 20 finishes in his two appearances here. He's gained over three strokes putting and he's gained an approach in both appearances. So I do think that this sets up pretty well for Denny McCarthy. Another guy that is not one of the longest hitters off the tee on tour and he's not going to be boxed out of playing well at this course because of his lack of distance I really do like Danny McCarthy this week and I'm hoping that he's able to bounce back and I'm also hoping that we're going to catch him at low ownership because he's burned a lot of people in each of the last two tournaments now heading further down the board down into the um kind of the bottom of the 7k range um you know Lucas Glover we mentioned um won the Wyndham last week and he's been just great on approach Um, And he's been kind of inconsistent with the putter, but he's really found it in the last few weeks. I kind of... Don't like playing guys right off of wins on DraftKings just because I don't really think that, you know, if they won their tournament in an unsustainable way, it's not likely to happen twice in a row. So I'm kind of willing to pass on Lucas Glover this week. But a guy I do want to mention is JT Poston, who came in seventh at the Wyndham, and he's just been on a really good run of golf in, you know, kind of the last two months. Has three top 30 finishes at this event. I think everything's setting up well for JT Poston this week, but there are two plays at the bottom of the 7K range that I do you want to point out the first of which is Steven Yeager? So, Steven Yeager over the summer has been having some really good run, right? He's got five straight top 35 finishes dating back to the start of July. So, with Steven Yeager, his Achilles' heels is putter, right? He can just absolutely put himself out of a tournament. Well, he didn't do that at Sedgefield where he gained almost three strokes putting, and Sedgefield. Bermuda Greens, like what we're going to be seeing here at TBC Southwind. And so if you look at his history here, he missed the cut way back in 2018. I believe he was primarily a Corn ferry Tour player then. But last year, Jaeger made the cut here and was not great in the ball striking categories, but did gain strokes with the putter. What we've been seeing out of Steven Jaeger so far this year, I think he's got his ball striking really turned around. And if he can happen to gain strokes with the putter, he can give you a really good finish this week. Last up in the 7K range is Cam Davis, who is a long hitter who plays well at short golf courses for whatever reason. And he did it again last week at Sedgefield Country Club with a T7 at the Wyndham. He's gained strokes in every category in back-to-back weeks, which is really something that I could not find on his card dating back to, like, Ever. And he also has a pretty solid history here at this event. He's appeared in it twice, made the cut both times. Well, actually, the WGC was a no-cut event, and he came in 60th, But so ignore that one. But he was 13th here last year, gaining strokes in every category, including three strokes with the putter. So I think everything is trending in the right direction for Cam Davis at a court that not only suits his game well, but he also has good history at. So I'm kind of buying in on Cam Davis this week. He's another one of my favorite plays in DFS here this week week now looking in the 6k range it is a better 6k range than most weeks because of the limited field. Oh, before I totally dive into the 6K range, Harris English probably has the best course history here out of anybody. Um, he won this event all the way back in 2013, has a number of other good finishes. So, you know, good course history guy for Harris English. I think this course clearly fits his skill set, and he's only $7,000 on DraftKings. Now, diving into the 6K range... Eric Cole is a guy who popped up at all of my comp courses. Uh, He has not played at this golf course, but he does have two recent top 30 finishes. He is a really good approach player. He is a really good putter. The driver concerns me a little bit because he's not long or accurate with it, but if he's able to keep it in play off the tee and just not bleed strokes with the driver, I do think everything else sets up pretty well for his game. Alex Smalley really let me down last week because I was all over him at the Wyndham. But we do know that with him being a North Carolina guy, he's familiar with putting on Bermuda Greens. And if his approach play that he's shown in the last two calendar months is able to continue, not the approach play that he showed at the Wyndham last week, I, I do think this could be a pretty good week for him. Um, he did miss the cut in his one appearance here last year. Now, looking at... The rest of the 6K range. Who are some guys that we can just find for the whole approach plus putting formula? So, Mark Hubbard would be a nominee for approach plus putting. Um, Lee Hodges is not a bad nominee for that as well. Lee Hodges won at the 3M open at TPC Twin Cities two weeks ago. He was also 13th here in this event last year. And then is there anybody else that stands out approach plus putting? Adam Schenk would be another guy, as well as Nick Taylor would be another guy. Now there are two guys that I want to highlight though. Oh, and Sam Ryder would be the last guy. Sam Ryder, pretty good approach plus putting. So there are two guys in the 6K range that I want to go out of my way to highlight though. The first of which is JJ Spawn. So JJ Spawn is another guy that likes Steven Yeager. His putter is his Achilles heel. He is absolutely terrible with it. And last year when he you know played this tournament for the first time, he came in 42nd, but that doesn't really tell the whole story. If I'm not mistaken, he was in the final pairing on Saturday and just kind of gave it all away on the weekend and just played terrible. Well, I think he's actually playing better golf right now than he was this time last year. He just has to not like kill his tournament with the putter and and I think he can give you a pretty good week so I think he's definitely kind of a high risk high reward guy but in an event where it's top 70 players no cut you know even if he comes in 65th place that's not going to totally kill you for a guy who's only $6,600 on DraftKings. The last guy I want to highlight who is my preferred play in the 6k range is going to be Andrew Putnam. So we talked about the formula approach plus putting. This is a guy who is good in both of those categories, generally speaking. He's gained over three strokes on approach in three straight events. He's shown the ability to have spike weeks with the putter. Generally, when Andrew Putnam's playing well, it's approach and his putter that is locked in. And for a guy in the 6K range, he has awfully good history here at this event. He missed the cut way back in 2015, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the three top 25 finishes that he's had in the last five years with a second, a 24th, and a fifth place finish. I just really like the combination of course fit and course history that you're getting from a guy who's only $6,400 on DraftKings this week. All right, so that does it for all of the golfer profiles. So let's go ahead and talk some one and done. So for one and done this week, your one-and-done contest should only have two weeks left. If your one and done's doing the Tour Championship, it's doing it wrong. I hate to break it to you. I hope your one-and-done is not doing the Tour Championship. So basically, you need to plan out who you're going to use each of the next two weeks. And you know, if it means looking at the FedEx Cup standings and making sure that you have two guys that are going to be firmly in the top 50, then you can go ahead and do that. But I think that it's very important to go ahead and figure out who you're using this week and next week this week, right? Like go ahead and get your plan in place this week. That way you can go out and execute it and not have to put a whole lot of thought or overthink it next week. I also think it's super important to play your position. If you know who is left by the people that are in front of you, that will kind of allow you to anticipate who they are going to end up playing and who you should play to end up gaining leverage on them. If you're in a position where you're in the money, then just go ahead and play the two best golfers you have left. If you're not in the money or way back and you need to try to make up ground, then get a little different, You know, play a little bit of guys who you know not a whole lot of people would think about. So that way you can get some leverage on them because this is an elevated event. This is a big purse. You can get yourself pretty much $3 million in one and done if you're able to pick the winner this week. So who to pick? Well, I can tell you from my personal one and done's, there is one one and done where I have left Sam Burns and John Rahm. In my other one and done, I have Xander Shoffoli and Scotty Scheffler. So in both of these, what I'm doing is I'm saving Rahman Scheffler for the BMW Championship. Knowing what I know about that course, it's a very US Open type setup where it's going to be pretty wide, pretty thick, rough, and very fast greens. You know who? So who do I like? they guys who play well at US Open. So Scotty Scheffler and John Rahman is for that week, which leaves me this week with a guy that I like a whole lot in Sam Burns and Xander Shoffley, who's a guy that... I never really just pinned down a a particular week to play Xander Shoffley. There's not one course that stands out as a great fit for Xander. So I kind of just ended up kind of accidentally saving him for this event, which is totally fine by me. Um, In terms of like my preferred pick, if you could pick anybody, obviously you'd want to pick one of the big three. If you don't have the big three available, I think Victor Hovland is a great choice. I think Hatton and Fowler are great choices. I think that Fleetwood and Morikawa make for great choices also. If you've been pretty aggressive in your one-and-done selections, maybe you have left Wyndham Clark or Sam Burns or a Russell Henley or a Tom Kim. I think those are probably guys that are a little bit further down the board that I would still be willing to go with also. But like I said, have your strategy in mind, play your position, pick your two guys for the next two weeks this week, and it'll help make your life a whole lot easier next week if you're able to put in a little bit of research and nail the pick this week. All right, that does it for the FedEx St. Jude 2023 preview. We talked about you know, the course itself. We talked about guys we want to target for DFS embedding, betting, and we talked one and done. Hopefully, I was able to give you guys some information that will help you make some money this week, whatever format you're playing here at the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. It's the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. We will be back next week to talk the BMW Championship. We'll also be back later this week to talk about live Uh, Bedminster, and we're also recording some season-long fantasy football content as well as college football content as well. So if you like what you saw in this episode, please subscribe to be notified when those dropped. Check out the episode on Underdog's Pup Cup Draft. Link is in the description to that one. Other than that, thank you guys for watching or listening. Best of luck to you this week, and I will see you next time.